a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name is Christopher Brown. Rewatching Prom Night from 1980 this week, I was minded by how much of it features disco dancing. Indeed, we see our stars, Leslie Nielsen and Jamie Lee Curtis, on the floor, boogieing away quite awkwardly, certainly in the case of uh, Mr. Nielsen. I think a lot of the time, Throughout the 140 episodes that we've had of Video Nasty's podcast, talked a lot about influences and how this film's influenced that. Particularly when you go into like you know these filmic genre subgenres like you know Nazi exploitation and the cannibal films, so you can see a linear progression from like quite violent western through to the um, exploitation um, films of, you know, the the, the Diodato lends the exploitation films of 1980-1981 with Ferox and Holocaust. And Prom Night itself is um, influential in its own way. Moderate success, that kind of gets cult appeal in the end. The film features, um, as I said, this kind of, a lot of the action isn't with a knife, but instead is with a a shiny shoe, I suppose. And it's that bit that's kind of influential, really. There's two elements. One is the general rubbishness of our killer, um, who um, gets his ass handed to him on repeated occasions as people try and get away. Far more believable than the stalk and slash um, killers that had already started appearing in 1980. You know, this man is no Michael Myers. And certainly isn't a um, Jason Voorhees type of the films that are to come. And then, you know, we are minded to remember that there are films, even on this section free list, which also feature um, clearly people in their 20s pretending to be teenagers dancing on the dance floor. Graduation day (laughs) certainly is one that springs to mind. And these kind of weird meldings of not quite right feeling pop culture and um, gory or or in this case not quite as gory as some um, violence kind of permeates a number of the films you know we've spoken about The Prowler and and, um, Graduation Day and oh there's there's, there's loads isn't there you know these these stalk and slash um, Horror films, slasher films, um, the burning, both Friday the Thirteenth films, you know, all on the list. So, but boys, bear in mind the fact that this film came out in 1980, so it does kind of lead the way somewhat. And certainly, you can see certain elements that trickle through, even if we're being very kind to the postmodernism of Scream, where our um, our ghost-faced killer uh, is frequently uh, 
attacked by the victims he's there to carve up. There's a special night in the lives of all of us. A night to be beautiful, to be desirable. A night we can break all the rules and make our own. Prom night. Everyone at Hamilton High is getting ready for prom night. It's a day of rehearsals, arrangements, final preparations, and last-minute phone calls. Nick? Wendy, do you still like to play games? They're too old for games, but someone still wants to play. Someone has come to the prom alone. Someone who watches in the silent corridors. Someone who waits until no one can help. Prom night. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. So yeah, Canadian film directed by Paul Lynch, who isn't really known for that much, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, you know, more known for making things in American TV, in truth, including um, than you know for the occasional movie, and and even then, um, you know, films like the the slasher film uh, Humongous from '82 and that kind of thing, rather than anything else. Um, and the story is of um, a gang of high school seniors who are tar- targeted at their own prom by a mass killer seeking vengeance apparently and it's not even apparently he basically calls them all up individually and tells them um, of a young girl that happened six years earlier um, so she's getting picked on by this gang of kids falls out of a window and smashes her back and dies it came very much from, um, well, Canadian money for starters, in the same way we were talking about um, Cronenberg's efforts. But um, made in 79, in the wake of Halloween and the success of that film. Um, as we said, Jamie Lee Curtis being a, a direct through line between the two movies. Um, and when it uh, opened in July 1980, it did well. And um, as, it, as it kind of expands out throughout the country, it continued to do well and was actually its distributor, AVCO, Embassy's most successful financial release, breaking weekend records in LA and in New England. So it cost 1.5 mil and grossed 15 mil and was Canada's highest earning horror film of 1980. Take that, Cronenberg. So the film um, has kind of the... The makings of what I you would probably I, I've in the past referred to as second tier slasher films, that it's um, you know there's a, a like a, a conspiracy the kids have done something wrong and there's something going to come of it you know who's the killer style is um, kind of mystery 
Um, which, you know, if you pay attention, you probably work out quite quick. Um, there's, um, as I say, some kind of through lines to pop culture at the time. Um, there's a bit of nudity uh, from our supposed teenage girls entirely. Um, there's a, a comedy kind of funny fat guy in it. It, it ticks a lot of the boxes. And, and when we look at, you know, films like, um, well, first off, the films that came afterwards, but uh, the slash films that came afterwards, but also when, when we look at that, that kind of postmodernism um, template that Scream kicked in in the late 90s and also, you know, then went on to things like I Know What You Did Last Summer and that kind of thing. All that's still present and correct with this film. So, Paul Lynch developed Prom Night after meeting with producer Erwin Yablans, who previously produced a little-known film called Halloween from the year before, 1978. And Lynch had previously pitched this idea for a film called Don't Go See the Doctor, another dope film by a doctor who murders his patients. But Yablin says that seldom that, you know, you know what, holiday, holiday horrors the thing at the moment. So why don't you pick one and then, uh, and then, you know, make that for the basis of the film. So high school prom was was decided on. Robert Guzer Jr., who was um, a film student, had already written a story about a group of teenagers involved in a tragic events that kind of come back to haunt them. And then, then that film, is, that story, that, that concept was taken, adapted, and turned into the slasher film that we know now. Although there were tax breaks available from US Canadian films, um, stuff that was kind of um, utilised, as we've already spoken about, a number, number of different times and ways, the um, the actual funding for the movie, which is quite big for a film at the time, 1.5 million for, for, for a horror film like this, um, didn't really come in until Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis signed on board. And this film marks Leslie Nielsen's last serious uh, film role before he then kind of shifted over to comedies. And the film also features the usual kind of cast of theatre and film school graduates, um, including Mary Beth Rubens, who is probably better known for working in TV. Um, including um, Alfred Hitchcock's Presents um, Revival in the 80s and worked in a number of bits and bobs over the years and uh, and stage as well. So filmed over 24 days in Toronto. Again, we're looking at a a crew of recent graduates to keep the the cost down. And... um, the actual dance scenes were choreographed by the director's sister. Who, um, it all looks, despite everything I've just said, pretty good. It looks all right. I think, you know, when you think of this, think of it in terms of, like, you know, the burning as well, which obviously was being made at a very similar time out in the, out in the northeast of America with a, a gang of, you know, um, talented New York film graduates, uh, a bit of money and uh, the benefits of having Tom Savini on board. Um, This kind of fits in a similar kind of mould. Lynch apparently deliberately made the film have less gore um, than you probably imagine. 
didn't want it to be overly gratuitous, which obviously is a, a thing that movies. Not, not, not necessarily all the filmmakers of the slasher genre at the time, but would go for. I think that probably makes a bit of sense when you consider when you put it next to something like Halloween, which you know managed to do an awful lot with uh, without being too too bloody. However, um, the distributors did uh, insist that there needed to be some kind of um, graphic violence. Which is why Lou Farmer randomly gets his head removed and it bounces along the, the stage later on in the movie. Um, that's actually his head as well. It's not a prop head. Um, so probably why it looked better than it does. But obviously, you know, these things can look uncanny nonetheless. But I think it's fair to say the film may have been successful at the time because of Jamie Lee Curtis' name to it. It might have been successful at the time because it was released when. People were going to prom, so it was a cool thing to go and see. But probably not the reason why it's a kind of a cult film now. Probably that disco soundtrack composed by Paul Zazar and Carl Zitra. Lynch had sought Zitra because uh, he'd worked on Black Christmas from 1974, the famous and brilliant horror slasher, proto-slasher film, really. But this um, this soundtrack really features tracks that were kind of um, let's put it this way: when they were dancing on the stage on the on the stage, they were all dancing to Gloria Gaynor and Donna Summer. Well, when the soundtrack comes out, they were not dancing to those films. Anyway, we got a release in Japan featuring the musical score as well as disco songs, and um, yeah, if you're into that kind of thing. It's the one of those ones where there's always, you know, some of the tracks, they, they, they beat them into the ground, so you're always going to kind of have it taken away in the back of your mind, the track, you know? At the time, uh, Prom Night was not a critical success, although it was a financial one. Unsurprisingly, uh, it was compared to Halloween and to Carrie, uh, both of which, um, even uh, Prom Night's most ardent fans would, would, would almost certainly agree, uh, it does not fat- match too favourably to. And you get Ebert once again banging on about um, how the film is overly obsessed with violence against young women. Um, uh, you could you could pull that, that a variation on a quote from that pretty much for any film from this time from, from, from Ebert, but, you know, ignore it. <laughs> it is what it is. I think mean, for me, I think it's surprising that you'd kind of compare it to Carrie, apart from the fact that it's set up prom night and some of the characters feel a bit similar. But they're all archetype characters. Um, certainly, though, I would not <laughs> be too surprised by any comparison to Halloween. There's nothing as frightening or as um, iconic as as the Carrie bloodbath scene in this, certainly. So we have a film that's quite interesting in the sense that that it's um, strangely influential while simultaneously not being that iconic. Bred a couple of sequels. Um, most famously, Prom Night 2, which bears absolutely no relation to this film whatsoever and clearly <laughs> is an indicator that maybe somebody just kind of had a little muck about with the... Um, um, the title to, to make more money, a class exploitation a trick, I'm sure we can all agree. 
There is a TV movie version where the nudity was, was removed, which even the photos that much of it really, but nonetheless. And then being padded out with additional scenes to kind of get back to the runtime it needs to be. Um, so you can, our friends, uh, somebody on the internet has put a YouTube video, which is like a di- director's cut and inverted commas. Obviously, <laughs> these theatrical cuts, the director's cut, but an extended cut, which includes everything in if you, if you want your full extended version of Prom Night. And why not? The film didn't have a contentious release in the UK. It was released uncut, um, with an X certificate. In 1980, and then was released on video, where it was seized but not prosecuted, and then was released again on court in 1987 with an AC certificate, um, and has been available in various forms since. It's now got a very nice uh, Blu-ray release, or you can get it, you know, from Amazon Video if you want to just kind of grab it for a fiver. It's um. It's a nice print. It's all right. Gets a bit spotty near the end, um, and within some of the night scenes, which is almost probably certainly due to how it was filmed rather than anything else. But it looks as good as these kind of things can look. Um, so you know, don't feel like you're going to get. You know, if you if you really want a nice print of it and you've not seen it for years, then it's definitely worth a go. And generally, I think um, a lot. Of, it's got a lot of fans. You know, Prom Night's got a lot of fans. Um, it's certainly of this kind of version of the slasher films, you know, or we're moving away from like Friday the thirteenth or Halloween or you know the more um gory, brutal gut punch stuff and the, more into like the more str- strangely um family friendly, I suppose, version of this stuff where you know it's a little bit of nudity, there's a little bit of violence, but nothing too too extreme. Um it, it sits very very well in that group. There's a special night in the lives of all of us. A night we can break all the rules and make our own. Kelly. Tonight, it's my turn. Prom night. For some, it's the end of innocence. For others, it's the end. Prom night. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. Rated R. Now showing at a theater or drive-in near you. Check your newspaper for showtime. Okay, so if you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is vidyanestyspodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at, at orange underscore monkey. Or you can go to the websites vidyanestyspodcast.com or thelasthorrorpodcast.com where there are loads and loads and loads, hundreds of podcasts featuring me uh, rambling through them. Thanks very much for the kind words from um, Stuart Wright. And for um, John Larkin, who have both been on Twitter and pra- pra- praising, being very kind about the podcast. Um, you know, um, it's not, we don't advertise, so it, a lot of this is weird and for people searching for stuff. So it's always very kind to, to see that. Um, uh, I'll be appearing in another Sleazy Queens episode coming out soon, over the next couple of weeks. We haven't caught it yet. But, uh, but that's about one of the original video nasties. So, um, you get to hear me talking about something you might already hear me talking about, but you know, um, in a different way and with uh, more crude jokes. 
Next week, we're going to talk about Tomb of the Living Dead, which is um, a very different change of pace and uh, very cool. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film <laughs>